Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Kinks and Beatles Daily Deep Dive. I am your host, Tony Fry. This is episode 211. Pardon me, I've got a little scratch in my throat today. <clears throat> today we're talking about If Not For You by George Harrison, which was released November 27th, 1970 on All Things Must Pass as the second track on side two of the original LP. This song is written by Bob Dylan, who co-wrote the album opener, I'd Have You Anytime, which we covered a few days ago, uh, and is the only cover to appear on this record, other than, of course, the black and white cover with George and some gnomes. Uh, George was a pretty steady songwriter throughout his career, but he almost always included a cover on his albums, with the exception of Living in the Material World, Extra Texture, and George Harrison. Uh, Every album he released has at least one cover on it. And what's really interesting about his covers is the variety of songs and eras that he pulls from. This track was a contemporary cover, but he would also cover Bye Bye Love with altered lyrics by the Everly Brothers, True Love by Cole Porter, Baltimore Oriole and Hong Kong Blues by Hoagie Carmichael, I Really Love You by uh, Leroy Swearingen, and Got My Mind Set on You by Rudy Clark, which of course we all know uh, was a huge hit. And he covered Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea uh, by Harold Arlen, which was on his posthumous album brainwash so some of these songs are rock standards some of these songs are from the the so-called great american songbook which are you know cole porter and and harold arlen and the gershwin brothers um and then some of these songs are kind of obscure singles from george's youth like obscure r&b singles from the 50s and things like that um and it's but i think his choice of covers really shows the depth of his musical influences And it helps us to understand where some of his signature songwriting techniques were born. You know, some of these things that make his music instantly recognizable are because there's a little bit of Everly Brothers and a little bit of Hoagie Carmichael and a little bit of Ravi Shankar in every song that he writes. And of course, a little bit of Beatles. Bob Dylan's version of this song was uh, released October 21st, 1970 on his album, New Morning. Um, So that was just a hair, about a month and a week before George Harrison's version came out. And uh, this album for Dylan um, would be the last UK chart topper he had for 39 years. If Not For You was recorded in March of 1970, but that version was scrapped. And then he goes again and records it in May 1970, and George Harrison's actually on guitar on this one. Um, But that version was also scrapped, and it was eventually released on his bootleg series from 1991. And uh, you may remember from previous episodes that this is around the time that George began recording All Things Must Pass, right? We're talking May and June of 1970. So the song was definitely in the air at the time of these sessions. Uh, And in August... Dylan once again recorded If Not For You, and this version would ultimately end up on the album as, as a sing- and as a single. And George doesn't appear on any of the final track or anywhere on this album, despite having been present for several of the song's recordings in that session that he did in uh, May. Dylan's version didn't chart in the UK or US, but it was a top 30 hit on the Dutch Top 100. Harrison's version, though, was recorded more or less at the same time as Dylan's, and was most likely completed before Dylan's. So uh, George Harrison got an arrangement and a recording that he liked 
quicker than the guy who wrote it. George smooths out the melody and he um, adheres more to the chord progression and tempo uh, from his recording session with Dylan. So I wonder if he was at all surprised when he got the record and heard that the song he covered was really different than the song he covered. You know, because unbeknownst to to Harrison, Dylan Dylan released a version that was quite a bit faster, and he actually changes the chord progression slightly. And I like, um, I like both versions that I've heard of Dylan's, but I like the one that is that has George Harrison on it, um, probably because it's closer to the version George actually released. There is some video. You can find it on YouTube of uh, Harrison and Dylan rehearsing this song for the concert for Bangladesh. And they kind of do it like as an Everly Brothers style duet. And what's interesting is some of the time on this duet, Dylan's singing the higher harmonies. So he's kind of giving George the lead on his own song. So, you know, maybe he um, liked George's version as well. You know, and, and despite this being a single and being the lead off track of an album and possibly being the most popular song off this album, Dylan didn't even sing it live for a number of years. So the fact that he was considering doing it for Bangladesh and giving George the lead vocals might be an indication that that he does like uh, or did like at that time um, the All Things Must Pass version. But ultimately, it doesn't make the final set list for that show, and they don't do it live. But the rehearsal video is easily accessible the personnel for this song oh man just the lineups that he got for all things was i mean really all of george's lineups are top-notch musicians but the the lineups he had for all things must pass are pretty incredible so you've got george on vocals guitars harmonica dobro peter frampton on acoustic guitar gary wright on piano billy preston on organ klaus vorman on bass alan white on drums and ringo Starr on tambourine Yeah, it's a George Harrison album, but I mean, how many of these guys are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on their own? And this track, I think, is an example, uh, one of the few examples on this album, of Phil Spector's production being felt but not overpowering. Right? There's no indulgent orchestration or an army of acoustic guitars. I mean, we've covered songs from this album where every member of Badfinger is playing an acoustic guitar. And, and this one's got some, you know, but th- there's not this whole like, just, you, I don't want to say wall because there is, you can still feel the wall of sound. He still accomplishes that feel and it doesn't sound out of place on the record by being a little bit more stripped down. It's not really stripped down, but it's just, it doesn't overwhelm you with, with uh, effect and just over layering. And I mean, the reverb on the tambourine, admittedly, a little heavy. But in general, it's just a nice production that doesn't get in the way of the simplicity of the song. And speaking of song simplicity, it doesn't get much more simple than this. We're in the key of G at the start, we're in the key of G at the end, and we're in the key of G all through the middle bits. In fact, except for a two chord in the verse, every chord in the song is a one, four, or five in the key of G. Um, and you'll be able, I guarantee you can hear that two chord. I'm not even pulling out my guitar. You can hear that two chord when it gets there. There's a turnaround at the end of the bridge that could be analyzed um, as a different chord progression. 
but um, I think of it more as a lead line than an actual chord progression. And that that little turnaround um, is kind of interesting because where throughout the song, George has played an A minor. To end this bridge, he plays an A major. Now, A minor is the two chord in G. A major is the five of five, right? So five the five in the key of G is D. The five of D is A. So when you throw in a five of five, anytime you have a major two, it's always a five of five. Um, when you have that major five, it allows you to do like this diatonic turnaround back to the home key. So he hits that five of five and it's a cool hook and it introduces some new notes we haven't heard in the song so far. But then because it's a five, that's your dominant chord, it resolves down a fifth, right? So we're on an A chord, it's going to resolve down to the D. Now the D is the five of G, so that's going to resolve down. So like you've got this, um, you've extended the harmonic palette, but you haven't really gone out of the the home key. You're still attached. You know, this isn't when we're talking about, you know, in certain George Harrison songs where it's like, well, he's kind of borrowing a third from the fourth plus the major, you know, all this kind of weird sort of stuff. This is a straight ahead turnaround. So I think that little um, backwards diatonic stuff that he's doing, I don't really analyze it as separate chords, but you certainly can. And they're still derivative of the key of G if you do. Um, This song proceeds behind that locked door which was written as a tribute to Dylan. Um, and incidentally, is probably my least favorite track on the album, but we'll talk about that in two days. Um, so it's pretty clear that Harrison's time with the band and Bob Dylan in New York has had a massive impact on him musically at this point. And, you know, we heard uh, glimpses, glimpses of, you know, he toured with Delaney and Bonnie with uh, just a stellar band. Um, and that really inspired him towards the end of the end of the Beatles recording time together. And then I think this uh, trip to New York with the band and Dylan certainly had just as much impact on him. He's, he's going into these sessions with a new outlook and a new approach to songwriting potentially, or a new approach to his sound and how it's going to be different than the Beatles sound, because, you know, all four of them have distinct solo sounds that you can tell are, somewhat attached to the Beatles sound because they contributed it to that Beatles sound, but they're also separate. There aren't many songs that you hear um, from these guys that you think, well, that's exactly how it would sound if it was a Beatles track. You know, what is life could have been on Abbey Road. I don't think it would have sounded exactly like it does on All Things Must Pass. Still would have sounded great. Still probably would have been the best song on Abbey Road. Um, But it would have been different, you know? And I think this is George really has honed in on like a more acoustic focused uh, sound that he's going to carry throughout his entire solo career, just from this year of working with other guys, Delaney and Bonnie, Dylan, the band, I think that's making a huge impact on him in March of 1971, you know, so we're talking a little, what is that? A few months after the release of the album, Olivia Newton-John releases a cover of the song. And it's pretty clearly a cover of George Harrison's cover. 
because it's virtually an identical arrangement, but without any of the rock edge that Harrison's possessed. And that's how I always talk about people who say, oh, the Beatles were a pop band that could do rock. I don't think that's true at all. Because if you listen to the way they played things, and this goes into their solo careers as well, there's always Olivia Newton-John is pop. In this case, country pop, but it's still pop, right? And you can tell just by the um, the uh, aggressiveness of the performances, the you know the levels of certain instruments, the pop of the snare drums, things like that make it pop to me. So if you take all the pop edge or the rock edge out of George Harrison's track and strip it down to its pop roots, you have Olivia Newton-John's. Uh, rendition and this was a top 20 hit all over the world and she's like 22 23 years old at this point has an international top 20 hit with um a song that has been released twice now within the last six months once as a single and then once on the biggest album of the year so that says something about the song and then I think it also says something about Harrison's arrangement because like I said she pretty much lifted it note for note So that's all I've got for this song. That was If Not For You. Um, If you have comments about it, go ahead and give me a call, 925-494-1739. Email me, kinksandbeats at herohabit.com. Find us on any of the social media. We're on Twitter at Kinks and Beats. We're on a Facebook group for Kinks and Beats. Hero Habit has a subreddit where all these shows are posted and you can comment on them there. And that's just gotten started in the last couple of weeks. So I'd love if you use Reddit, just give us a follow there. And of course, if you like what we're doing here and want to help us offset the expense of hosting this podcast, you can swing by the Hero Habit shop, herohabit.com slash shop, and um, throw in five bucks just to help us out um, covering the podcast expenses. All right. I will talk to you guys again soon. Have a great day. Okay, so I used the intro music instead of the network post-roll music. And I did the same thing that the post-roll has done ever since we got back off a hiatus. So why did that intro music work the first time and get all warped the second time? This does not make sense. I'm baffled, y'all.